Pastor Ray Bentley with lessons from the prodigal son. Here this guy is serving pigs. What a great picture of what happens when you turn your back on the Lord. You're serving pigs. Not only was he serving them, but he didn't have a home, so he slept with them. He's living with pigs. That's what happens when you turn your back on the Lord. Sin promises freedom, but it leads to slavery. It promises success, it brings failure. Spread the news. Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Many of us are familiar with the parable of the prodigal son, but in context, it was one of three stories Luke tells in rapid succession in Luke 15, the parables of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son. Let's look at them today and see how the love of God is on display in each of these three stories. We read in verse one of chapter 15 of the gospel according to Luke, then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to Jesus to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he, Jesus, spoke this parable to them. And we'll look at that parable in just a moment. Um, but let me ask you this question. Do you know why Jesus ate with tax collectors and why he ate with sinners? Why did he do that? Because he cared for them. He loved them. He likes them. The love of the Father for human beings knows no bounds. Many people wonder, what does God think about me? And usually their thoughts are, he's probably mad at me because I am not doing everything right. Uh, you have no idea the love that he has for you. Jesus is going to be talking about the good shepherd and, and the desire to find the one that is lost. And I just want to make this point. Jesus attracted sinners. The religious people of the day, the Pharisees, let's say, repelled them. <laughs> if you were you know, living a life of worldliness and uh, wickedness, the Pharisees did not like you and you probably would not like them. There was a repelling force. But ironically, Jesus' standard of righteousness was higher than that of the scribes and the Pharisees. And yet, ironically, sinners who were in rebellion against God, who had just given up the fight to try to even be good, they were somehow irresistibly drawn to Jesus to this very day. Sinners are drawn to Jesus. Do you know why? Because they intuitively sense and know he loves them. And that's why it would have been fascinating to be, you know, 2,000 years ago and watch Jesus. How does he act around sinners? And he's sitting down with them. He's surrounded by them. He's eating with them, drinking with them, talking to them, loving them. So Jesus wants us to know that the good news is the Father welcomes and forgives sinners. Now, look with me in, uh, as he tells this first story, beginning in verse 4. He says, Now one man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. 
And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Jesus is lovingly rebuking, and by the way, you know, how, so yes, Jesus loved sinners. How did he feel about the Pharisees and the religious leaders? He loved them too. How did he show that he loved them? By correcting them, by teaching them, by telling them these stories, by even rebuking them. And he's saying, hey guys, your attitude stinks. It's rotten. You should be loving them. Which one of you, as a shepherd? And that was their whole background, the whole story of Israel. Abraham and Isaac and Jacob were shepherds. Would not leave the 99 that are already in the pen safely and go search for the one. And then how you rejoice over the one sheep that was lost. Now, let me say this about the 99. Jesus is not saying that by leaving the 99, he's not saying that they are unimportant to him. Uh, what he is trying to show is they're safe. They're in the pen, they're, they're in a uh, fold. And basically what a shepherd would do is he would put up a little hedge in a circle and then he himself was the gate. And Jesus said the nature of the shepherd of your father in heaven is to search for those who are lost. And he often seeks us through our broken and crumbling dreams. And I, I wonder, in thinking about one, I wonder if there is someone here tonight who is lost. And listen, if you, you know what that means. You are confused, you are bewildered. Uh, how did I get here? Uh, I didn't want this to happen. Uh, things beyond your control. Uh, often he, the Lord chases us through our crumbling dreams our broken dreams. We set off in a direction, we had a plan, and it fails. And this happens one of two ways. One, it can happen by failing to achieve our dreams. The other way that this happens is by actually achieving our dreams and getting what you set out to accomplish, which there are, you know, half that do, and then finding out it wasn't what I thought it would be. It isn't all it was cracked up to be. Uh, I got it, and now I still feel empty this nagging emptiness inside. Jesus is coming for you, searching for you, wants to wrap his arms around you. And the picture of a shepherd, and this is a very touching one, and by the way, the earliest piece of artwork that we have that goes almost back to the early church in the book of Acts itself, that is a piece of sculpture, the oldest piece of Christian sculpture on the planet that has been found is of a shepherd with a lamb on his shoulders around his neck. This is a powerful, symbolic picture of what the Lord wants to do with you. In other words, the full weight of your life, the full burden of everything that you are, rests upon the shoulders of your shepherd who knows the way back home, the way back to the fold, the way to safety and, and tremendous love. So Jesus tells this story, and he's saying, you know, how come you, guys, you, you, you religious guys are criticizing me for acting in the nature of our Father, whose very essence and being is to search like a shepherd for a lost sheep? That would have touched them very, very deeply, 
uh, because of their history and their background and the patriarchs and David, of course. So look with me, let's look at the second story real quick. Verses eight through 10, this is the story of the lost coin. And this one is geared uh, kind of really toward the sisters, uh, toward women. Verse eight, he says, or what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls all of her friends and neighbors together saying, rejoice with me, I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. As I mentioned here, when a Jewish girl married in Jesus' time, she was often given a headband that would have 10 silver coins in it. And some, you know, she would wear this upon her head and it was kind of like our uh, wedding ring of today. It meant I married. And so it was a catastrophe to have lost one of those. She would literally, and what Jesus is saying is turn the house inside out, upside down, till she found that one coin, put it back into the row of 10 and be able to wear it and then rejoice as a result of it. So Jesus is showing what it's like. The, the, you know, he's drawing on the most powerful, emotional, ancient images uh, of being a shepherd and losing one sheep. Everybody would relate to that. Or being a woman and losing one of those coins from the, the headband that they would wear. A lost sheep meant danger. A lost coin is a catastrophe. And Jesus is touching all of these things and all of these areas. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. At Maranatha Radio, we've received so many cards, emails, and social media messages expressing appreciation for Pastor Ray's teaching. Pastor Ray was my pastor, and my heart hurt when I found out that he was gone from our presence. I know that he is greatly missed by so many. I always appreciated how he took time to talk to people he was just so kind and full of love. I considered him not just my pastor, but my friend. And I'm thankful that this is not goodbye, as we will see him again in heaven someday. Listener comments are so encouraging. If you'd like to express your thoughts and tell us how these messages have impacted your life, would you take just 60 seconds and write an email? Send it to ray at raybentley.com or post it on our homepage at raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. Now, he finishes with the third and final story. And the most famous parable of all, it's often called the, uh, the parable of the prodigal son. But it could be called the parable of the loving father because in many ways, that's what it's really about. So in verse 11, we read, then he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. In other words, I want my inheritance early. And so he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. 
And then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything to eat. According to Jewish custom, it was allowed for a son to request the inheritance while his father was still alive. Uh, if his dad had a certain amount of land and estate uh, and so forth. Now, let me say culturally, it was uh, not the most loving thing to do. It was basically saying to your dad, you know, I, don't, I can't wait for you to die. I want the money now. I want to spend it now. I want to get out from under your thumb and your rule and your house, and I want to live my own life. Please, can you give me my inheritance? And he was probably, a father would not consent if the son was too young, but if he reached a certain age, he would say, if that's what you want. And so this father did reluctantly give to him. What this showed is that this young man valued things more than he did relationship. It's a mistake that many have made as human beings. And uh, the problem with you know, elevating possessions and things above relationships is it's a bottomless pit and you'll never have enough and you'll always run short. And uh, so things do not turn out as he expected. First of all, obviously what shows this wasn't a wise decision, he spends what's supposed to be, you know, you, you live on a little bit humbly and you, you put your lifestyle so that you can live and endure with what this inheritance has been given. But instead he spends it all. And while he spends it, you know, the idea is it was a significant sum. While he was spending, he had parties, he got to do whatever he wanted, he indulged every, you know, fantasy of his flesh, he was surrounded by friends, he was Mr. Party. Then he ran out of money. When he ran out of money, he ran out of friends. Uh, you don't have any more money, and so off they go. And then when he ran out of his friends and money, he ran out of food. And the next thing you know, he's out of work, he is looking for a job, and the only job he can get is feeding hogs, feeding pigs. Now, culturally, uh, you realize we're reading a, a Jewish book here. Jesus is a Jew. This is Jewish people. Uh, this is not the dream of every parent for their young son, is to be a pig farmer. You know, they want nothing to do with swine and, and the whole prohibition and the law against pigs. And now, he, here's the irony of it. Not only has he broken any religious sense of trying to follow the law or honor God, let alone his father, and he has broken the law, you know, not only the, the eating laws, but the moral laws and everything else. He's actually serving pigs. What a great picture of what happens when you turn your back on the Lord. You're serving pigs. Not only was he serving them, but he didn't have a home, so he slept with them. He's living with pigs. That's what happens when you turn your back on the Lord. And uh, this is not what he wanted, but this is what happens. Sin promises freedom, but it leads to slavery. It promises success, it brings failure. The son thought he would find himself by doing his own thing, but in the end, he only lost himself. And he ended up living in a miserable situation. Look with me in verse 17, and I love this because fortunately this story does not end with verse 16, but it goes on. Verse 17, but when he came to himself, he said, 
How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? This guy's hungry, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you and am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Now this son has a wealthy father, so wealthy that he had an inheritance that he gave to his son early and he's got servants. So the son is so famished and so hungry that he eats what the pigs are eating, the slop, and then he starts remembering his father and that his father was actually a nice man, a generous man. And he, he started thinking about, wow, I've totally ruined whatever hopes I had of being a son. I've lost my inheritance. I've shamed the family name. I couldn't even go home as a son. But he started thinking, you know, my dad's servants, the way they live, and the way he treats them, there are several notches above what I'm living like now. So maybe I'll just go home, humble myself and say, Dad, I am so sorry. Would you hire me as one of your servants? And that'll be a few steps up for me. Get a good meal, a roof over my head, and away from the smell of those stinking pigs. So that's what he does. It has been said, actually one of the translations of verse 17, we read, but when he came to himself. Another version says, when he returned to his true self. It has been said there is a certain insanity to sin that replaces the image of a loving God above with the image of a beast within. Let me say what I mean by that. When you reject the Lord and a relationship with Him, all you're left with is you and what's in you. And I don't know how to describe this, but when you cut God off and out of your life and all it is is you and your soul and your passions and drives within, there's a point at which a human soul turns in on itself and begins to devour itself. You are actually imploding. You are self-destructing. And it happens through various addictions. It happens through various paranoias and fears and emotionally shutting down, mentally shutting down, spiritually, you're already a vacuum anyway. And how do you get out of this? He confessed the truth. He was brought low and humbled. And you know, his, his father, the, when he started thinking about it, if all he thought about was how he had blown it and what a loser he had become, he would have ended his life in depression and sorrow, and that's it. But he started thinking about his father, and he admitted that he was a sinner who had lost his way, and he followed that with actions. He says, I will arise, I will go, I will say, and if the father was this good to his servants, maybe he would be willing to forgive a son. Well, let's look at the very last part of the story. In the last verses, verses 20 through 24, we'll close with this last little section. It says, and he arose. He got up and finally said, I'm not, you know, live or, live or die, I am not spending one more night with these pigs. I'm getting up, I am moving out, I'm going home. And he arose. And he came to his father. Now listen to this. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had what? What did the father feel? Anger, ticked off, it's about time. What does it say? Compassion. He had compassion. And ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, he starts rehearsing what he was gonna say. I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, I am no longer worthy to be called your son, but the father interrupts him. 
The father said to his servants, bring out the best robe, put it on him, put a ring in his hand, sandals on his feet. Shows you that he was barefoot, probably bleeding, blistered. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it. And let us eat and be merry, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. And so the party actually begins. I love this because the father runs uh, toward his son, announcing that there is going to be a great feast, and I want to celebrate my son that was lost. I want you to also notice in the story, the father did not permit his son to finish his confession. He had a lot of other things that he had written out. The father interrupted him and said, I don't need to hear it. Seeing you is enough. Hearing you begin, it's all I needed to see. He interrupts him and immediately orders a celebration to begin. That is a picture of our heavenly father and his heart toward you. You don't have to walk on your knees up a mountain, crawling, begging, beating yourself. You can't even finish the confession of the mistakes and failures and people you've hurt, including yourself along the way. You just start. God goes, it's enough. Cover him with my son's robe of righteousness. Wash him and cleanse him in the blood of the sacrifice of my son. Get the ring out. And by the way, slaves are the ones who didn't own shoes. This young man had literally been a slave and run away. Only those who were in the home of someone who had means wore shoes. Literally, the father is setting his son free. And by the way, when it says, and the father ran to him, it's hard to, to imagine this, but in the Middle Eastern culture, you don't, men don't run like that. They don't run to their uh, sons or daughters, or they don't run in these situations. It's seen as undignified, and yet the father ran. Why? And again, in the Middle East, they would understand. There's only one time you throw dignity out the window, and that's when you are so overcome with emotion that you cannot hold it back. And you run, and he embraces his son. And I love that. That Sometimes we think of God as this immense, and many people's ideas of God, as this immense, impassive uh, sea of being. This is not the God whom Jesus describes. The God whom Jesus describes is laughing, welcoming, crying, hugging, congratulating, embracing, and announcing, today we throw a party, my son was dead, he's alive, he was lost, he is found. And when the Father, who is God, rejoices, every being in heaven, every single angel begins to rejoice. It's that powerful. It's all about even one individual. When Jesus talks about a shepherd saving just one, he is showing that every single person, every single individual is important and valuable to him. Amen? Amen. Great reassurance from Pastor Ray Bentley about the way God values his children. Glad you've joined us for our studies in Luke chapter 15 today here on Maranatha Radio. Today's study is titled, The Joy of Being Found. If you missed any part of the message, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. When you get to the homepage, you can leave a tribute to Pastor Ray's life and service to the Lord. 
Also, click the word media and you'll see the words watch, radio, and Devo. Three engaging ways you can enjoy Pastor Ray's insights via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can link to Pastor Ray's Facebook page, his podcast, his YouTube channel, and Twitter feed. And then after 30 years on the radio and the passing of Pastor Ray Bentley in early 2022, we're approaching the end of the Maranatha radio program. We'd like to thank you, our dedicated listeners, who've joined us through the years as we've journeyed with Pastor Ray through the Bible. We'll be continuing the broadcast through the remainder of 2023, but we're excited to share that we'll have a dedicated online location to access all of Pastor Ray's content, including video, audio sermons, books, and more. Please visit raybentley.com to follow along with us. But we hope you'll stay with us here on the radio through the end of the year. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in the book of Luke. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.